as I mentioned a, a couple of moments ago before we started the Zoom portion, we have um, Jared and Bexy Graham with us who have been missionaries that we have supported in Croatia with WineWim over the last number of years. And, and they're back here um, ready to share a few updates on some big changes that have been happening in their lives over the last couple of years. So I'll invite Jared and Bexy, and it looks like they're bringing up Amariah as well. So come on up. Would you please welcome them? We got two mics here. This one is not going to go too far. This one will go as far as you want. Welcome back. Please, <laughs> please feel free to take some time and just give us some updates on what's going on, what God has been doing in your lives. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, what a privilege it is to be here with you this morning and share a little update from our lives and just yeah, thank you guys so much for all your prayer and support over the years. And just to see God's faithfulness and his goodness towards us. Um, and that as a community, you guys are part of that story, part of our story and praying for us and supporting us. So yeah, like Ben said, I'm Jared. This is my wife, Bexie, who's from England. And this is Amariah, who's from Croatia. What's your name? Yeah. And how old are you? Oh, she's shy. Uh, so yeah, we have um, been in Croatia now. We were in Croatia for nine years. So we moved there in 2013. And um, we have just moved to London. So in the last year or so, we just felt God, discerning God leading us out of Croatia and into a new season. Um, and in that, we landed in uh, London near Bexie's family and back with our church community there. Um, so, yeah, we'll say a bit more about that. But just to give you an update about what God's been doing in Croatia over the last few years since we've been here and what in the last nine years. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, we moved to Croatia uh, back in 2013. We drove a small um, Nissan Micra, one litre, um, all the way across Europe, filled to the brim with stuff. And just four weeks ago, we moved back and we sent a van with a driver so we didn't have to go with it that was packed full of stuff. Um, so we feel like, yes, we're definitely going back with more than we came with. Um, but it feels like we're going back with more than just stuff. And we were able to get rid of a lot, but relationships and and memories and, and just stuff that we've seen God do over the last nine years will go with us. We definitely feel like we have an inheritance now in Croatia. So we've been part of um, youth ministries and we have helped see a, a teenage youth group started. We actually watched kids that we were teaching English to when they were um, five and six. Um, and then they started coming to our teenager club and we've just been able to see them grow up and walk alongside difficult things that they've gone through in their lives. And um, yeah, they've just been committed to coming every week to our teenager clubs. Mm -hmm. So it's been sad to say goodbye to them, but we've left people behind who are going to continue to disciple them and walk alongside them. We also, as YRAM, we run the Discipleship Training School, which I think everyone has heard about. Um, we ran four of those during our time there. Um, we had um, Donna and Dan come out and help us 
with the first one that we run and, and Stu and Chris. Yeah, so and that was a great help. And we've seen lots of young people come to us for six months and just um, see amazing things happen and transformation in their own lives. And again, just to be able to walk with people for that amount of time in living with them and learning about God together and praying and seeing prayers answered and then going out to other countries and blessing the nation and seeing God work through these young people was um, just an incredible thing to be a part of. So, um, yeah, we were able to do that. Another thing that we were a part of was church planting. And when we went to Croatia, we partnered with another couple ministry uh, missionaries there in the town of Trogir. And when we went there, it was just the four of us getting together and praying regularly. And now we have a church of 30 of us uh, who meet uh, weekly and Bible studies and kids and everything. And we've registered as a church as well. So it's been fun really just to see God's faithfulness in that. Um, and his goodness just to see a church and to provide before we went there there wasn't really um, a local place where locals could could worship god uh, or evangelicals sorry. Uh, they would have to drive into the major town um, to be part of one of the other fellowships so yeah we've just seen such fruitfulness and faithfulness in that we've also seen many teams come to us and uh outreach teams go through YWAM and churches and we also started um, kids camps and youth camps that was something that was a real need in Croatia and it just didn't happen so we got to see all these like they just ran it without us for the first time last week and they had 90 kids that came out and it just really blesses the whole community and they don't have anything like that for for kids the kids camps and stuff like that there um, uh, we've also seen uh, had the opportunity to really support a fellowship, uh, uh, like a little small group Bible study out on one of the islands uh, of Hawar, and I see that's really grown and developed. So just going out regularly and encouraging them. Another thing that um, so God's always put sailing on my heart and use sailing as a tool for discipleship and evangelism and so we actually had a 40-foot boat that we used and we used it as part of our dts's for character development and and yeah going out to the islands to do evangelism there's something like over 100 islands in croatia and um yeah so if all goes through we wouldn't we will sell the boat uh, we have a buyer and we're just waiting for the money so we're really grateful for uh, that opportunity. And like one time we just, I took a lady out um, who had lost her husband, took out her daughter and her two weeks, two or three weeks after they had lost their husband, her husband. And she just felt like it was so healing being out on the water and experiencing who God is out on the water. And so it was such a, a way that I could watch God use my passions and use how he created me to really bring healing um, to others. So, yeah. And so we closed off our season well in Croatia over the last couple of years. It's been kind of challenging as with everywhere with COVID and everything. Um, 
but yeah, we've just seen his faithfulness in leading and guiding us to, to the right place. And as we closed up in Croatia, said our goodbyes, what I recognized is it wasn't necessarily all the things that we had done or the ministries, you know, when I went there as this young guy, I was like, yeah, we're going to have, you know, five churches and a fleet of boats and it's going to be huge. And as we left, what I recognized was important was the relationships and that God used us to really impact lives. And I think that was a huge uh, piece for me and a huge learning thing for me um, is that it really is all about relationships. Um, so, yeah. So a little bit about what's next for us. We, as we mentioned, we've just um, we've made the move back to the UK. I'm going to be looking for a job. Um, so leaving full-time missions, Jared is finishing his, he's doing a master's in Christian formation and discipleship with YWAMS University. So he's got a year left of that that he's wanting to finish. Um, but also really praying about what God has for us next. Um, and yeah, we'll be both doing those things. So you can really be praying for us. Um, moving from Croatia to England is a much more of a, a leap financially. So. <laughs> Finding jobs is quite important and finding housing and just living with my parents until we can afford to move out. And so it almost feels like it takes more faith to leave missions than it did to go in. So, yeah, you can be really praying for us um, as we make those steps. And that, as Jared said, something we've learned is kind of the relationships are important, that we can carry on um, missions everywhere um, and that we can continue to do life with God and other people um, really well in, in the places that he's going to be leading us into next. Another piece with that is that Lexi's had on her heart for a long time to find work in peace and reconciliation and justice. So please continue to pray that she might be able to find a job in that area. And part of my next studies is uh, my thesis project, which I'm going to be doing pilgrimages and just trying to take people out of the busyness of life and really engage with God and, and grow. So prayers for that as well. Yeah, that's it. That's all. Thanks. Ben. Thanks for sharing guys. Um, why don't we just why don't we stay up here and, and I'll just take a moment and pray over you and then you guys can continue the conversations after the service. Lord, I, I thank you so much for the, the work that you have been doing in the lives of the Grahams. I, I thank you for nine good years of seeing your hand at work in everything from sailing a boat to uh, the relationships that are built to a church being planted to, to youth growing up and, and owning their faith in a way that maybe it was just passed on to them, but they had to make their own. Um, I thank you for the direction that you are giving them. And even though they, they do not yet see what is, what is next, having taken this step, I pray that you would reward them for the faithfulness that they have demonstrated in that and that you would increase that faith as they um, begin looking for, uh, as, as Bexy begins looking for a job, uh, I pray that you would provide and that it would be one that lines up with calling and gifting and aptitude and, and just is going to provide for the family at the moment as, as Jared starts looking at pilgrimages and, and writing a thesis and, and looking ahead to further missions. 
Lord, would you show him more about the the interrelated nature of his his own calling and and the things that are interesting him right now and where you want to take him and and how he can continue, they can continue together to be people who help others be formed in Christ. Lord, I I thank you for what we have heard about inheritance in Croatia. And Lord, may you reward them richly for that. May they continue to hear about the, the work going forward, not as a work as though it's they have built their own kingdom but as as a way of hearing about how the 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 seeds that they they were sowing during that time have produced a harvest lord would you produce a harvest there and lord i I pray your blessings over them in in every way even in this next week as they continue reconnecting with family and friends and then as they transition now again back to uh, an old home a new home uh, a, a new a new stage for them would you provide the mercy and grace that they need tangibly so that they recognize that you are at work, that this is the place where you have them for right now, and that you are equipping them for what is next. Help them to be faithful at each stage because you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you. Thanks for sharing, guys. Lord, we're going to open your word. Would you open us to your word? We're going to share a story. Would you show the connection between your word and the story and our lives and what you are doing in this church and the calling and inheritance that you have for us? This is to honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe do puzzles. Does the picture on the box help? Could you do it without it? Would it be harder? Yes, it would. Okay. God often, God usually, if you have eyes to see, gives you the picture on the puzzle box and gives you some of the pieces and then says, now you need some faith. But here you go. Here's what I'm calling you into. It's one of God's actual regular patterns in scripture that even before he does something, he lets people know he's going to do it. And he often gives them a foretaste of it. It's the picture on the puzzle box. This church has been given quite a number of pictures on the puzzle box, pictures of the puzzle box in the last number of weeks, months, last year or two in particular. The same thing was happening in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a book in which the people stand on the edge of something. Deuteronomy is a book in which Moses is speaking to a people who are about to receive the inheritance that God has promised them, yet they're going to have to do something about it. This this is one of the really, really interesting things about the the way that God works is that he will often say, I'm giving this to you, and then require something of you in order to receive it. Right? The promised land is yours. What did they have to do? It was some pretty hard work. And yet it was work that God did. There was some sort of interesting partnership there that happened. But they had to do something. And yet he also gave them, as they were going to do their something, 
as they were going to do their part, he gives them the picture on the puzzle box. At least a decent size, a decent portion of the picture on that puzzle box as they are on the edge. And this is a church on the edge right now. That's something God is doing and wants to do more. And what he is, has been saying to us and is saying to us is that I've already given you the picture on the puzzle box. Maybe not the entire picture. No story is, no one or two stories are going to capture the entire picture of what God does or wants to do. But this church has been receiving the picture on the puzzle box. I'm going to summarize Deuteronomy 2. I am going to summarize part of Deuteronomy 3. I'm going to show you this once again, I hope. May the Lord show us. Then I'm going to park on one verse. Then we're going to share a story. In Deuteronomy 2, um, the people who are on the edge of their promised land, God has said, this land is now yours. They have not yet crossed the Jordan. So they are approaching. So here's to me this way. They are approaching the promised land from the east. River Jordan runs up this way. They're approaching the promised land from the east. Okay? They cross the Jordan in order to enter the promised land. But before they do, God gives them some of the land on the west side of the Jordan. He gives it to a couple specific tribes. In fact, Caleb, one of the spies who was going to search out the promised land, claimed that land for himself. And those, those tribes, before they will go in and cross the Jordan to, to take over the remainder of the promised land, they take over a couple of a slice west of the Jordan. And east, east, right, thank you. I apologize for the confusion. Let me remind you, let, let me say this over again with the, the correct direction. I'm directionally dyslexic as well. Um, before they cross and go west over the Jordan, they start on the east side and God gives them a slice of land on the east side. Okay. So a couple of tribes, and including Caleb, uh, but a couple of the tribes are going to get promised land that is not kind of in the promised land, if you understand what I'm saying. It's land that was given to them. It's land that was promised. Um, whether or not you call it the promised land, it doesn't matter. God, God promised them, they gave it his promised land, but they have to go take the remainder, okay? What we are going to talk about here and what is happening in Deuteronomy 2 and 3 is they are about to take the, the land that is east of the Jordan, okay? That land is occupied by two kings. Right? The first one is King Sihon. Right? And what God is going to do, and what he, what he says in Deuteronomy 2, if you look at verse 24, it starts. Um, God says in advance, I have already handed this king over to you. I've already handed his land over to you. It's already a done deal. He, he declares it in advance. God, this is part of the regular pattern. God regularly speaks what he is about to do with, to those with ears to hear in advance of what he does. I've handed it over to you. Verse 31. See, okay, so he says I've handed it over to you. But then what the people do is they go and they offer terms of peace. They say, we, we just want to pass through your land. We'll buy your water. We'll buy some food from you. We're not going to touch anything else. And the king of that land, King Sihon, says, uh-uh. 
you are not to pass through my land. And at that point, that's when the, the, the conflict begins. And then God says again in verse 31, I've begun to hand him over to you. Um, he comes, Sihon comes out with his army and God, just one verse, verse 33, they take the land, right? God declares it in advance. People have something that they have to do to inherit it. It's a done deal. And they inherit that land. Then chapter three, the same thing, a similar thing happens. Chapter three, verse one, King Og of Bashan, another territory, again, east of the Jordan, right? King Bashan just comes out to meet them in war. And God says, I have once again now given this guy into your hand as well. You are about to take this place. It, it's, it's, one, it, it's once again, it's done. It's very quick. Verse 21 is where I want to park. Actually, no, let me just repeat this once again. The normal pattern is for God to tell people what's coming. This is part of God's normal pattern in scripture. It's not a pattern that surprises people. It's, it, if we didn't notice, we weren't aware because he was speaking. Uh, God will say in Amos chapter three, verse seven, uh, the Lord does nothing without first telling the prophets. Are you going to listen? Malachi, God, God says, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead to prepare the way. And the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. Before God sent Jesus, he sent a messenger ahead and he said he was coming. It took a couple hundred years, maybe because the people needed that amount of time to get ready. But John the Baptist comes to once again prepare the way. What God is going to do, he prepares the people for if they're willing to listen. That's the normal pattern. Back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 3, verse 21. Moses is speaking, and he is looking back on the two things that have just happened. They met King Og, they met King Bashan, and what happened? God simply gave the land to them. Verse 21, Moses speaks and he says, I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen everything that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The two kings we just described. The Lord will now do the same to all the kingdoms which you are about to encounter as you cross the Jordan. Before the people make the move to go into their full inheritance, God lets them know in advance, I'm going to do this. And he gives them examples of what it's going to be like when they get there. And he says to them, I've already done it. And you have already seen what I am going to do because you experienced it with these two kings. Are we following this? That's a nod. I'm not getting enough nods. Are you following what I'm saying here? The experience of entering the promised land and receiving their inheritance, Moses says to the people, is going to look exactly like what you have already experienced, what God has already done for you. It's going to look exactly like the battle you just had with King Og. It's going to look exactly like the battle you just had with King Sihon. I did it there. I'm about to do it again in the promised land. He prepares the people for what's next by giving them a foretaste 
of it by giving them an experience of what they're going to have as they continue to move forward. That's the point of this verse. The, the point of this verse is to say, you're going forward. You can do this because God has already done the same thing. Okay. What I would like to do now is give you another picture of what God is calling this church to. It's not the full picture on the puzzle box, but it is a picture from the puzzle box, a corner of it, a slice of it. I'm going to invite Heather Flett to come up. We're going to share a story of what God has been doing. Thanks for coming up. When I when I um, was preparing and reading this this section, I was I, I do as you know I do a lot more listening now than I do simply mapping up the whole thing according to what I think we need. And I was quite shocked when I was reading two chapters and I got stopped, and I. It, it seemed to come down to one verse, and one verse basically only said foretaste in a way that was sort of my summary of that one verse, 321, here's your foretaste. And then what, as I was listening and praying, what I thought I heard God say was share stories of what the land is. Call happen. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to call Heather, actually. Um, you know, stories are personal, right? And you have to remember that, right? We, and when someone comes up here and shares a story, this is a moment of incredible vulnerability, right? So can we all just sort of silently bless Heather that um, thank you in advance for being vulnerable with us in such a way that will bless us, okay? Uh, so let's approach this with gratitude and, and also expectation of here, here's yet another picture of what it is that God wants to do. So it was it was call Heather. And I, I called Heather and said, here's where I think this is going. I think you have a really encouraging story, but I you know, submit this to you and understand that this is this is a vulnerable thing. And take a you know, take a while. I don't need to know. I called her on a Tuesday and said, I don't need to know until late in the week or something. And uh I got a text within, like, I don't know, two hours or something like that saying, yeah, I'll do it. So thank you, Heather. Why don't you tell us about what God has been doing for you? I'll start off by saying that I believe that when God is involved, there are no coincidences. Um, the story begins a year ago, August, when Ron and I began bathroom renovations. And through renovation abuse, my knees took a beating. And then about an hour's of paddle boating with grandchildren, a couple of weeks later, it added to the swelling and the soreness of the knees. By the spring, my knees were so painful. I couldn't even stomp the snow off my boots without severe pain, 
bringing tears to the eyes. Um, I had to be very careful going downstairs that there was no jarring of the knees because it really hurt. Ben suggested I come for healing prayer. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, okay, maybe one day. Easter Sunday, Ralph Beers was sharing his story. And he shared how he had prayed and God had healed his knees a bit. And as I was sitting in the back where we always sit, I said, I could, I could be happy with a little bit of healing. And I felt that I had to go to prayer that day. By the time I left, the heat in my knees was gone. And Ben said to me, Heather, remember, God loves you and wants to heal you. Over the course of the next two weeks, I clung to that, that God loved me. And the severe pain in my knees went away. I could stomp my feet if I needed to, and it didn't hurt. But I still had a great deal of difficulty doing stairs. It was put your foot on, bring up the other foot. Much like a small child who can't do that one, two, three stairs, it was one, simply one stair at a time. Before I tell you the next part of healing, I need to take you back to October when my mom was diagnosed with mild to, mod mild to moderate Alzheimer's dementia. Oh, sorry. It was a bit of a blow, but as we look back, we can see that this had been coming for many years. The doctor said, of course, it's not curable. But the best thing is to help slow it down, is to put your mom in care where she would get three healthy meals a day and social interaction, which is the most important thing. Keep her brain active and functioning. And so mom and us kids all discussed it. And in January, we made application through Alberta Health Services for mom to go to supportive living. Uh, she moved in at the end of March, which was a really cool God story because when we submitted the application, we were told four to six months waiting period. And if you know from the middle of January to beginning of March, that's not four months. But when God's involved, things happen. So with mom going to care, uh, thank you. We, we now have a condo that she owns just over here in Johnstone Landing that we needed to sell because I was not at all interested in the headache of renting a condo. And we knew mom was not, mom was not coming back. So I went online and I'm perusing the rental and course. If you want to find out what's for sale, you got to sign up with a realtor and then they're going to send you emails. Um, so I did because I wanted to know what are condos selling, how fast are they selling, what's out there, et cetera, et cetera. And so every day I got an email, every day I perused this. As my knees continue to give me difficulty doing the stairs, 
I began looking at those emails, not for my mom, but for us. Really believing I was going to have to leave a home I just finally got renovated. One I loved and one that God had given to us 33 years ago this weekend. We moved to Redmond. But I just kept praying, God, you know, God, you know. We went on holidays in beginning of June to Jasper. We tried a little hiking. And of course, when I came back, the knees are even more swollen and giving me even more grief. But the interesting thing was when we went on holidays, I started sleeping eight hours a night, which I haven't done in a long time. And I had 13 nights in a row. I was like, you know, when they were babies, we finally got to sleep. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't sleeping. I was having trouble falling asleep and I was waking early. And I started to look at what was going on. And I realized I was stressing over being able to stay in my home with the knees the way they were. I began to stress over how our limited income in retirement would cover those condo fees and all the other stuff. Where would I put my grandchildren when they come to visit? Where would people stay when they come to visit mom now that there's no condo? I was stressed. I wasn't sleeping. Near the end of June, I opened this email that I've opened every day now since probably the middle of March. And I hear this unsubscribe. And I stopped and I said, hmm, yeah, no, not really. Read it, clicked it off, deleted it like I've done every day. The next morning, again, I open the email and I hear this unsubscribe. And again, I stopped and I paused. Nope, can't do it. I got to keep checking this. Delete the email. The third day, I open the email and I hear this unsubscribe. You don't need this. My sister works for a realtor. And she had set us up with a dedicated um, service that let us know exactly when a, a property in Johnstone Landing came on the market, when the price was reduced, when there was a pending offer, and what it sold for. I had all the information I needed for mom's condo. And I finally said, God, I hear you. I trust you. And I had prayed many times as I climbed my basement stairs with a basket of laundry hanging onto the rail. God, I can't do this. It hurts. What do we do? So I hit the unsubscribe. And it pops up and says, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes, I'm trusting God. And this incredible peace washed over me like I have never felt before in my life. It was like someone just took the whole world off of my shoulders. And... It was just incredible. And I said, thank you, God. Whatever happens, thank you. Two days later, I'm walking up the stairs 
from the basement and I realized I was doing stairs like normal people. I had no pain, not to say that my knees were perfect, but I did the stairs one at a time. I wasn't even holding the railing. I was carrying a basket of laundry. And I realized that God had healed my knees so that I could stay in my house because I believe God isn't finished with us being just down the street here. Are my knees 100%? No. Will they be 100%? No idea. How long will we be in, in the house till it's time to move to the lodge? No idea. I just know that at this point in my life, it's no longer my concern. It's in God's hands for how long we live at 179 or the other. I hope you're clapping both for here, but also thankful for God. Okay. An amazing story. Uh, I love the combination of um, not only just God did this and, and showed love, but then the response, the ongoing two minutes to God's voice. So that when you hear unsubscribe enough, you know this isn't me. And something further is received within after faithfulness. And I have to continue to pay attention to God and I continue to trust him more. Thank you for sharing that really encouraging story. Heather. What what would you say has been um how has this, I don't know, affected you, changed your walk with God? How has it helped you see God and his work differently, anything like that? Ben told me he was going to ask me this question. So I've done a lot of thinking and a lot of praying. And truthfully, I wanted to say this great, great story. <laughs> but I just think it, I was reminded that God cares he hears us, and even the littlest things in our life are important to him. Um, I was reminded this morning of a song that really helped me get through some tough times last year for Ron and I. And it says, um, it's about the goodness of God. And I'm grateful Megan didn't choose that song to sing this morning. Uh, but it starts with, for all my life, you have been faithful. Um, and I will sing of the goodness of God. And his goodness is running after us. And I've been reminded with just these little ways that God is just there. He's been with us. Oh, he's been with me all my life. But in the last two years, <clears throat> I've been learning more about who God is and how he wants to be so much a part of my life, my every moment. Even, even like the other day, it was we're going grocery shopping, and I said to Ron, "So do I take the ten dollars gift card, or do I take the hundred hundred air miles? Like, what should we do?" Didn't really matter, but I stopped and I committed it to God. I took the gift card; it helps with my budget, but it it's like. All these little things just keep reminding me. Talk to God about it. He cares. It's never too little. And I think I've been more aware of, of God in my life. Just the last year and a half. Just 
Thanks for sharing, Heather. Well done. We'll take that back with you. Much appreciated. Thank you for encouraging us. What's an insurance adjuster? You know what an insurance adjuster is? An insurance adjuster, for those of you who don't know, is someone who works for the insurance company and their entire job is to make sure you don't get paid. Right? That they're, they're looking for all of the different loopholes and all of the different clauses to make sure that the insurance company is satisfied and your claim is rejected. Okay? It's not quite pitched that way in the advertising, but it's essentially the function. Right? I sometimes think that we take that view of, of the insurance adjuster and, and put it onto God. And what Heather just reminded us is that God is good and he is looking for ways to bless his children. But we sometimes approach healing as though God is the insurance adjuster and he really doesn't want to pay. And maybe if you get your claim just right, he might just get it up there. But that's not the goodness of the God that Heather just described. Not at all. Not at all. And it's for everyone. When I was back in Ontario uh, this past summer, um, first morning I was there and woke up, I, I go downstairs, grab my coffee, and I'm sitting across the, the uh, living room from my sister, and she's got her foot up on a, uh, a table, she's got ice on her, her leg, crutches beside her, and I'm like, what just happened? She's like, I injured myself in baseball last night. I had to go to the emergency room and um, I sprained my ankle really badly. Nothing's broken. It just needs ice and rehab and uh, physiotherapy and painkillers. Okay, maybe we could pray for it. We pray for it and she doesn't use the crutches anymore. She did not get the full, full thing. She still had some pain on Heather. This past week, my sister called me. Her kids had gotten hurt. They were five and six. They'd gotten hurt by Bell or something like that. She calls me. And she says, Ben, I did what you did and it worked. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, remember when you prayed over me? I just did the same thing. I did what you did. I said what you said and it worked. Well, you shouldn't be surprised at that, right? This is the God who's actually in that kind of business. He's the God who loves to show his goodness to his children, and it's anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. These are pictures on the puzzle box. It's not the full picture, but it's something he's calling us to step into. And I want to get calls from people saying, you prayed for me. And I went and freely, freely I have received and I passed it on. It's a good land to step into. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for all you've done. We give you thanks and praise for the ways that you show that you are a father who is more compassionate than we realize. 
more active and involved in our lives than we ever thought possible. More desiring to use the people that you love to share your love with others. I thank you for the story this morning. Getting another glimpse of what's on the puzzle box of the land you are taking us to. And it is a good place because you are good. And you are the one who provides not only everything there, but the means to get there. You are the one who takes care of enemies. You are the one who heals. You are the one who speaks. You are the one who lets us know where you're going. You are the one who invites us in. You are good. You are good. We trust you. We love you. We praise you and thank you for the work that you are doing. Make us faithful. As we continue to sing your praise, may you receive it with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. The last part of that story with my sister is that she didn't just call me and say, I did what you did and it worked. The very next thing that she said was, now what do I do? Everything God does also requires a response. And if you are hearing, I need to make a response this morning, don't ignore that. Right? So if you need prayer for something, regardless of what it is, I'll be praying for you. Make sure you reach out. Make sure you take the time to respond. This is for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, my friends. Thank you so much for worshiping here together this morning. Bless you.